Welcome to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. I'm your host, Andrew Johnson. And in this particular episode, we are going to discuss why isn't average enough anymore? Why isn't average enough anymore? So sit back, relax as we go into depth into this issue. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. As I said earlier, I'm your host, Andrew Johnson, and we're going to talk about why average isn't enough and why there is a disconnect in our relationships because of it. Now, recently, I was listening to a video, and I'm going to get into what I heard on a video a little bit later, but I wanted to just talk about how I was somewhat surprised at some of the answers that Uh, There were women on that video asking about being average and some of the answers that they were giving pertaining to having an average guy. But I think part of the problem is when we're using the word average, especially in today's society, there is some type of a stigma attached to the word average. Now, I'm not exactly sure when the word average became a bad word, but it seems like everyone is looking for something that is above average. And it doesn't necessarily matter if it's the woman looking for the guy or sometimes it's the guy looking for the girl. Everyone kind of wants someone sort of in an above average category. There was a poll done not too long ago, and I don't know exactly where I read this, but it did say that 65% of Americans think that they are above average. So again, 65% of Americans think that they are above average. Now, if we were to convert that into uh, finances and we were to say, are you rich, middle class, or poor? Majority of Americans would say that they are middle class. Well, middle class is average, but... Most people don't think that they're average. And that's where there is a little bit of a disconnect pertaining to that. As we go forward and we explore a little bit more into depth into this issue, I want to say that I'm going to reference Chris Rock about a joke that he told a long time ago. It doesn't have anything to do with the Will and Jada thing. This just so happens to be, I'm recording this in the same week that that incident happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to, dedicate a entire episode to what happened. That's that's more Hollywood type stuff. So I'm not going to get involved with it too much. But there's a joke that he did tell pertaining to uh, above average, average and below average, which we'll get to here in a second. But as I was referring to that video earlier that I was watching when they were polling women on the street, it was just a, a woman I saw. She had a microphone and she was asking the women if they would date average guys. And here's some of the words that they use to describe quote unquote average guys. These are the words that came up the most in the polls of of the, the unofficial poll that they ran. Easy, boring, normal, nine to five, and not hot. (laughs) So that's how, women were describing the quote-unquote 
average man. So we had said before how average pertaining to uh, height and everything like that, the average height of a man is about five foot nine. So that would be average height. Average salary of a man is between 50 to 55 to between 55 and $60,000. So that's the finances and you know, men's average weight just fluctuates by their height. So realistically speaking, um, most men are going to fall into this average category, at least according to the women that was on that video. Now, what Chris Rock has said in his joke that he had did a stand-up years and years ago, he said that when he was in school and he would be in the classroom, there were 30, he said there was 30 kids in the classroom. And he said that in the classroom, there were five kids who were really, really smart, five kids who were really, really not smart, and then everybody else was in the middle. Well, if we were to do his math, if we were to do his math on basically what he just said with that, he's basically saying that only 20% of the kids were really smart and 20% of the kids were not really smart. That left 60% of the class 60% or 65% of the class was average, meaning they were right in the middle. And when I was going to school, I kind of fell into that average category. I was not a superior student at all in high school or uh, in my K through 12. I was just okay. I mean, I didn't, I took some of the harder classes, but my grades were not great. I mean, I was, I, I passed and I, I got through high school fine. And eventually I ended up going to college and graduating, but that took time. But yes, I, I was an average student, and most of the kids that were sitting next to me fell into the same category that I was in. Now, I think part of the disconnect when it comes to being average is some people do a little bit better, but they still fall into the average uh, number, per se. So some people might be, a instead of being a high C student, might be a low B student, and they might think that they're above average because of that. But for the most part, they all are sort of all in that same category of what uh, average would be. But when I was watching that video and I was listening to some of those words, I was wondering if the women who were saying that on the tape, if they were to, on that video, if they were to, how would they think men would rate them? Because men, we are more visual, so we, we look for visual things first. And I'm wondering, all those women who were talking like that, if, where do they think that they rate do they think that they are above average themselves? And and my guess is I probably think that many of them do. Many of them think that they are above average. And so I think part of the problem that we're running into is that too many people in our country think that they are in the top 20%, which they are not. So it's really, really tough for people to kind of find what they want if everyone thinks that they're above average when they are average. And the point of this doing this uh, episode is to let people know that there isn't anything wrong with being average. I'm not sure why people don't want to be labeled an average person. I guess maybe it just doesn't sound good. Um, Like I said, the the, the women on the tape, another word that the women used on the tape was not exciting, (laughs) which is, I don't know exactly what they're getting at with that, but what, what, what the level of excitement they're looking for. But those are some of the issues that we're, we come up with when we're dealing with this above average, average thing. And maybe, just maybe, 
this comes from when we were growing up and we were told that we were special and that we had gifts and that we had all of these wonderful things. And realistically speaking, it was more for to boost our self-confidence, but it, it, if you listen to it and you start to believe it, you will believe that you are an above average person. So with that being the case, I could see why people think that they are above average. And for a majority, two-thirds of the country believing that they are above average. Now, when it comes to relationships, there are two words that tend to pop up when we're talking about average people, whether the girl is average looking or the guy's just average looking himself or makes an average salary. Two words tend to come up the most is what I often hear people use when they are describing uh, wanting to be in a relationship with someone. And if they feel that they're above average and they deserve above average, the two words I often hear are settle and entitled. So I'm going to say those real quick again. Settled or entitled. A lot of times you will hear people say, well, this is what I want. And if I can't have it, I'm not going to settle. Meaning I'm not going to date average is what they're basically saying. I'm not going to settle. So an example would be, let's just say, for instance, there's a woman who had makes a pretty good salary herself. I just say $70,000 a year. She's may want someone who earns about what she earns or maybe more or, you know, or obviously she would want more, but she's probably basically saying is I don't want to date anyone or marry anyone or be in a long-term relationship with anyone who is making per se less than I make. That would be settling. So she might use that in the terms of a financially settling. Then sometimes in the looks department or she's like, I don't want to date a guy who's overweight or who's not in great shape or something to that effect. Meaning that if she did get in a long-term relationship or marriage with someone like that, she would essentially be settling. So that word, I think, is partly part of the problem. I think that that word of settling or settle is keeping people from getting married because everyone kind of wants to get the best that they can get. And some people are basically saying, if I can't have the best or if I can't have what I want, then I don't want anything at all which is kind of a surprise because I always was told something is better than nothing. But for some people, they don't want the, the, that settling aspect of it. So they basically say, I will take nothing. Now, generally what happens when they do that, they will have a change of heart because as time goes by, uh, the loneliness factor will creep in and they will want to be with somebody. So the problem is, as more time has passed. So now, they, their value and worth isn't, they say, as high as it might have been several years ago. So they end up in a situation to where they'll get with somebody who's that quote unquote average person, at least in their mind, and think and think of and getting a relationship or a marriage with them and find themselves saying that they don't like it because it's not exactly what they wanted. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that in relationships, you're not going to get everything you want. To be perfectly honest with you, if you get 75 to 80% of what you want, you did very, very well. 
most people don't get that. They usually get maybe half or even less than half and are satisfied because that's generally where it works. What we want are just basically their wish lists, their dreams, their fantasies. It doesn't mean that you're going to get every single thing you want. And if you ever think that you're going to get in everything you want and you ask someone a question saying, no, you can't have that. And they ask you why I can't have it. And that's, we're going to, that's a segue into the other word that I used, which is entitled. Some people feel that they are entitled to get what they want. So for instance, an average looking woman might feel entitled to date or marry an above average looking guy who also earns an above average salary. Vice versa, an average looking guy might feel that he is entitled to date and marry an above average looking woman. So if we were to base average and uh, above average and below average on that scale of one to 10 that we use when we're rating women and men on their looks and their attractiveness, basically an eight, nine and 10 is the top 20% of people. So Roughly 20%. I'm going to throw that number out there. This is not accurate. So please, people, don't quote me on this. I'm just basically saying it's just in my view, my opinion, is about 20% of our population would be in the category of an 8, 9, and a 10. That's 20% of our population. And that's in the looks department. The looks, the attractiveness, whether they have, you know, the body, the physique, all of that type of stuff. That's that's. 20% 20% of the population. The next 60% of the population it would be if we were to do the, the scale of one to 10 is going to probably be a four to a seven. So in the looks department, they're a four to a seven. Now that's average. There isn't anything wrong with those numbers. The thing is that's, those are just average looking people. Now, obviously the higher the number, the better looking they probably would be. So obviously a six or a seven is a higher than a four or a five, but they all fall into the same category of being average. So if I have a woman who's say a six and another one who's a five, there's very there's probably not a whole lot of difference between them. But the, the six obviously probably will get a little bit more attention, but they're very close in in number pertaining to uh, looks. And the same thing for the guy. The guy would be the same. It would be the same for him. He would be that that's six five probably isn't that big of a difference. It could be one being six feet versus one being five and ten or something like that. But they would look you know all pretty much the same. So those would be some of those things that we're talking about with entitled. Now, part of the reason why I use that word entitled to describe what the second thing is, we have become sort of a spoiled generation when it comes to getting what we want. And so I think that's why we're starting to see a lot more entitlement uh, rear its ugly head because people just feel that they, they, it allows them to justify for getting what it is that they want. So the hard part for both men and women to understand is that just because you want it doesn't mean that you get it. Now, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here when we're talking about um, sometimes women might look at our, our men as a height thing. And, you know, women, some women say, I don't want to date a man that's shorter than six foot tall. So 
if you look at the numbers and, and the guys might have something that they're looking for too specifically, but when we, we just use the six foot tall thing for now. So example would be, say for instance, a woman says she wants a guy six feet tall. So the first thing we need to do is figure out how many men in the United States are six feet and up, six feet and up. Well, we know the average man in the United States height wise is about five foot nine. So the average height in the United States for a man is about five foot nine. Six feet, only about 15 to 16 percent of men in the United States are six feet and up. So that woman who wants that six foot and up guy, she has narrowed her choices down to the top 15% of men in the United States pertaining to height. Now, height is something that men, we have zero control over. It is genetic. I, I have a brother who, he got the height gene. Let's just say that. He's a lot taller than me, and he's well over six feet tall. And I'm not. I'm five foot ten. So that's the big difference there. But he is technically, you know, he's falls into that 15% category. But most men, uh, 85% of men do not. So if women are looking for if there's some type of a height requirement that they may have on their wish list, they've already narrowed down their choices to just the top 15% of all men. Now, some women want to get a guy even taller than that. Some women will want a guy taller than that. So some women say he has to be six foot two and taller six foot two and up and I'm not sure why that matters maybe they think he's going to play an NBA one day which is practically zero chance of that happening but with that being the case in the United States that number drops from 15 percent to about five percent so roughly five percent of the U.S. male population is six foot two so there just isn't that many takers in that that size that category of what we're looking for so if the average height is five foot nine and let's just say for instance you meet a guy and he's five ten five eleven I can't imagine someone not wanting to be in a relationship because that person is that height but I've been told otherwise that some women literally have that height requirement and will not date a man who is shorter than six feet tall and that's unfortunate but it can happen and then there's some who will uh, expect a certain dollar amount of the man to earn. So in the previous episode, um, well, a couple episodes back, it wasn't the previous episode, we talked about the average income of, of men and the uh, average salary roughly is about $75,000 is that top 20% cutoff number. So basically that $75,000 is that top 20% number there that where those are the top 20% of wage earners. And then when you get to 90,000, you're in the top 13%. And then 100,000, you get into the top 10%. Now, there have been instances where I've heard people say they don't want a man who makes less than three, dollars $400,000 a year. And that's like you're starting to get into the top 1%. Then the number gets really, really smaller. So with that being the case, again, these are certain things that we're wanting and we feel sometimes entitled to get them and we don't. Now, I'm going to share a story with you pertaining to a woman I was in a relationship with a long, long time ago. And I'm going to give you my answer. Some people might disagree with what I did, but I'm going to just tell the story and we'll take it from there. But I was in a relationship with someone. And like I said, we weren't together 
very long. I want to say the relationship maybe lasted a year. And this probably was about the eighth, eighth month mark or so, seven or eighth month mark or so. What ended up happening was her car hadn't broke down and needed a repair. And it was going to take two to three days to fix the car. So at this time, I had two vehicles. I had one that I was making payments on, and it was an SUV. And I had another one that was a four-cylinder uh, sedan, and it ran fine. It was the car that I took to work a lot, and it, it ran fine. There was no issues with it. It, it had pretty much most up-to-date features that you can have in a mid-size sedan. So when her car broke down and she didn't have a car to get back and forth to work, I offered her the mid-size sedan car. Now, the mid-size sedan at the time was probably about, I want to say, eight years old. It was not that old. The other car that I was making the payments on was about three years old. So the mid-size sedan still ran fine. It was, you know, there was nothing really wrong with it. And she didn't want to use that car. She wanted the nicer car of the two. Now, one of the reasons why I didn't want her to use the SUV thing was because she had some of it a, a little bit of a commute and obviously it was going to burn more gas. So I thought, you know, just use the car with the four cylinder. There's nothing wrong with it to get you back and forth to work. And you only need, need to do this for two or three days. But she really felt entitled to get the uh, nicer car. And I told her, no, I said, look, you're in a situation where you need a car. You're only going to be driving for two or three days. There isn't anything wrong with it. I'm not sure why that matters to you. Well, she ended up using the car, but needless to say, the relationship did not last that much longer after that. And it wasn't just because of the car aspect of it. It just sort of ran its course. But that is an example of sort of entitlement in that situation. You're, you're only using it for a couple of days and you just need to get back and forth to work and take care of business that you might have to do outside of work. I figure, hey, if someone's letting you use a car when you're struggling or you have a, a problem pop up, the last thing you should do is be picky and upset that you didn't get the one that you wanted when you were in a situation of need. So I did not see anything wrong with that. But there are people who might disagree with me on that, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just did not see any reason why um, it would matter if she took which car she took. I would think she would just be happy to just be able to get back and forth to work. That's just me talking. I don't know. Um, the next area I want to go to as we continue to go through this and get ready to wrap up the podcast is we talked about settling and we talked about the word entitled and I gave you some examples of what some of the women were saying there on the video. Um, the, the, the issue here is when we are being kind to someone or we're, we're, we're doing an act of kindness to someone, as I said before, it is a sign of strength. But sometimes what happens is people, both men and women, when, will view kindness as stuff that average people do meaning that people who are above average don't necessarily have to be all that kind because they kind of get what they want anyway because of their looks or finances or whatever the case may be. But those are traits and qualities that you should be looking for in a partner, not something that you should take advantage of. So kindness is a strength. And if it's a strength, we should not take advantage of people's kindness pertaining to labeling them as an average person. 
That's what an average person would do. They have to do those things. No, they don't have to do those. By nature, by nature, some people are just kind people. It doesn't mean that they are weak in any uh, stretch of the imagination. Most kind people have inner strength that you don't even see. And when you, if you're in a long-term relationship with them, you will pick up on the inner strength that they have, even though they are coming across as being somewhat weak because they're being kind. And like I said, in the very first episode, we sometimes view kindness as weakness, but do not label or put the word kindness with someone who's an quote unquote average person because it does not fit. Actually, kindness makes a person an above average person. Now, when I was talking about rich, middle class, and poor, rich, middle class, and poor, if we're married couples, generally speaking, they consider middle class, it's really hard to say what the, the cutoff number is. I remember when the they were doing the stimulus check things and there was a certain cutoff where a married couple could, if they made over a certain dollar amount, they couldn't get the full amount. And I want to think that I want to say that was about $150,000, $150,000 combined income for the couple. That's considered an average income. It's near the topper end, the higher end of average, but it's still considered average. So anything above that would be considered an above average earning home. So they would be considered maybe upper middle class and they will put them in the, that would put them in the top 20%. But one thing that you can do to see where you rank at financially pertaining to whether or not you're rich, middle class or poor, or whatever the case may be, is just, if you just do a, a, a Google search and just Google the area that you live in and find out what is the median household income, if you're married and you look at the median household income, and if you're above that, you're doing, you know, obviously better. It still doesn't mean that you're you're above average. It just means that you're higher than the average. And then you can base your decision on that. So depending on where you live now, obviously coastal areas and cities, the median income is a lot higher than they say are in the Midwest or the middle parts of the country. But that would be a good gauge to determine that where you're at on the financial scale of average, uh, rich, middle class, or poor. And most Americans... Uh, like to consider themselves to be middle class, but they are, if you ask them, you know, are they uh, average, they'll always say, no, I'm above average. And even sometimes you ask them pertaining to their money, they'll say that they're above average, but they really are not. They are just uh, middle class, just like most most people here in the country. And like obviously there's a small portion of the country, or that 20% who are struggling, who are would be considered poor, and there's a smaller number out under that that's considered living in poverty. Now, the numbers have went, the poverty rate has went down a little bit, you know, over the past couple of years. And that's because of some of the uh, stimulus that we had received and a few other things. But that's just the way it breaks down. So with that being the case, we're going to wrap up this episode. I want to just clear up a couple quick things as we go forward. The... I want to say thank you again for the support and we'll continue to put out content every week. If we can, if you want to leave a message, you can on that, that message link that you have there on your phone, on your smartphone. If you use the, the, the major uh, platforms to listen to the podcast on, and there will be some guests coming up in the future episodes that I will not tell you exactly who yet, but uh, there's going to be, I think the next episode after this one, there will be a guest and there'll probably be another one after that. 
So it won't just be me here talking, but we're going to still try our best to keep these podcasts in and around that 30 minute mark so that you can continue to you can listen to them and, and, and say just driving around to work in your car, or just going from one place to another. Or just you know, you can listen to them on different devices. So if you have uh, Amazon Echo devices, you can listen to them. You can listen to them on Google devices. And that's the whole point point of the podcast. I just want you to have the opportunity to listen to them in areas that you are normally doing your everyday things and such as driving to work or standing in and around your house or doing something to that effect or just listening to it on your headphones or your smartphone. However you listen to it, I just want to continue to deliver the content that you enjoy. And with that said, I want to say again, thank you for the support and I'll see you next time. Bye bye.